0: Welcome to Show Your Scars with me, Jordan Angeli, a look inside the journey back from a devastating injury. Although we may not choose for this to happen to us, we appreciate who we become in the process. Now, let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. Hello and welcome to another episode of Show Your Scars. I am excited to talk to you guys today another Monday I hope you're ready for this podcast I'm switching it up as I always like to do going from athlete to mental uh, coach to physical therapist all over the place because I think the whole process and knowing more about the whole process can allow athletes to get back from injury a little bit better Today I talked to Wesley Wang, he is a physical therapist and a doctor of physical therapy in the Rockville, Maryland area. He went to the University of Maryland and after graduating he tore his ACL and that really changed the trajectory of his life. He went from being an an economics major to quitting his job within a few months and changing to become a physical therapist. I like Wesley's story because it's exactly what we talk about all the time, responding to our situation in an appropriate way, saying, although it's not fair that it happened, maybe, it's a chance for us to learn about who we want to be in the future. Wesley took that and he ran. He now works at a place called Healthy Baller in Rockville, Maryland, where they approach physical therapy from a sense that they want to get athletes back to the best that they can be, and that that process might mean it's a little bit longer than they initially set out to be. They are able to bridge that gap through education, through communication with their patients, and showing them the research as to why they think that a nine-month ACL rehab is really the best way to go. I will link some of the things that Wesley talks about in the show notes, but we go over a, a whole slew of things from his journey with ACL rehab and how that helps him relate to patients to why they are an out-of-network PT place and how he judges quality in return to play rather than just completion. So we have a good conversation going on. I hope you enjoy what Wesley has to say. Here he is. Wesley, thanks for joining me today on the podcast. I'm excited to talk to you and see what you're doing in the Rockville, Maryland area, and really just with ACL athletes um, and different athletes going through long-term injuries across the board. But um, before we kind of dive into what you're doing with Healthy Baller, I want to talk about who you are and where you grew up and your attraction to sports and why you really started to play sports.
1: Okay. Uh, so I am um, b- born and raised in, in Maryland. Uh, I went to uh, College Park, University of Maryland, College Park, uh, with an economics degree. Um, I, was, I went to go work for a consulting firm, did that for a little while, but at the same time, um, right, right after I graduated, I actually tore my ACL, um, and then I started going to the rehab process, and then I think... Essentially, I was going to rehab in the mornings, and then I had an hour-long commute to work, and I had a lot of time to think about what I wanted to do for the next 40 years of my life.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I knew I wasn't looking at Excel, so I, I decided to um, explore my options, and then eventually came to terms with accepting the fact that um, tearing my ACL was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because it eventually led me to pursue physical therapy as a, as a field and as a profession that I, that I absolutely love doing every single day.
0: Wow. You made that seem like it's such an easy transition. And um, for a lot of people, that's a hard, (laughs) you know, that acceptance piece, too, is a really hard part to get through. And I'm not saying it was hard for it wasn't hard for you, because I think looking back is always easier than um, when you're in the moment. Right. So what do you what did you figure out in those moments, in those train rides? Like, what was it about um, what you were doing or what PT was offering that kind of led you to think, okay, maybe this is something I want to pursue? Uh,
1: I, I think for me, it was the interaction with my therapist, um, my, my therapist. Luckily, I, I, I got a therapist that was good. Um, and she just seemed to genuinely have a passion for the field. She loved just kind of working with, with me and with, with other people that, that she interacted with. And and then I was going to my job where I sat in a cubicle for you know, eight hours a day, not really talking to too many people. And I thought about what I wanted to do, and, and I think I've always been a, a people person, and I, and I like helping people, and I love sports. And I, I kind of just put the piece together how physical therapy allowed me to do everything, all those three things that I'm, compa- that I'm passionate about, and put it into a job and a career that I, that I can see myself doing for the rest of my life.
0: Mm-hmm. And you grew up playing sports in the Maryland area. Did you How did you tear your ACL? And you said that was a pretty late thing in your athletic career, but you must have grown up... Uh, loving sports in some way
1: yeah i I grew up playing soccer as my first sport um i didn't didn't play for too long but that was the very first sport that i played um, because my dad um eventually i just fell in love with basketball so i started playing basketball a lot um i didn't end up playing for any school teams but i played in in tournaments with friends and rec leagues and, and intramurals and things like that and i made it all the way through college without getting getting hurt too bad um and then as soon as i graduated a few months after i graduated i ended up um, suffering a, uh, ACL because of, um, it was a contact injury for me as opposed to the majority of the times they're not contact, but mm-hmm. went up for a layup, a guy tried to me, took me out of midair and then my leg just came under me and, and that was it.
0: Yeah. And at that point you, so you played sports for a long time. You were in various different things. You, you, did you describe yourself as an athlete? Like, had you seen other people go through injuries like this before or was it kind of a new thing for you?
1: I had I have never had any experience with physical therapy as a field. Um yeah, I grew up playing lots of sports, but you know, just minor injuries of ankle sprains and things like that that you kinda of just suck it up and deal with. But, you know, when you when you suffer an ACL tear you don't you can't really suck it up. You have to go through formal therapy plus surgery and everything like that. So it was after after I started therapy that was the very first time that I got actually exposed to um the therapy field. I've had friends who have had ACL tears but I didn't go with them to their rehab or anything like that. Um, So I think I think that that story tends to be pretty common for people that they don't really know much about physical therapy until either a family member goes through it and they go to go with them or they experience it themselves.
0: Yeah. And as you went through the PT process, so you said it was very new to you and you hadn't really seen any of that or experienced that before. What were some challenging parts of the process for you?
1: Uh, pretty much the entire thing.
0: <laughs> uh, I, I think the that w- when, you,
1: when you first get, yeah, pr- pretty much. And and I, that's kind of what I try to convey to my, my patients is that my, my, my phrase that I kind of stole from uh, one of the professional NBA teams is to trust the process. So I try to tell them early on that, you know, you're in this for the long haul. And, like, I, I always tell them I care more about the longevity of your career as opposed to you playing the very next season, which some people is in six months and i I try to paint the picture of of you playing for the next 10 to 15 years as opposed to you know in six months which a lot of which a lot of young athletes struggle with because they they miss sports so much um and i think that was that's what it was like for me i i rushed back into it i think i played in a basketball tournament about six to seven months after my after my um my surgery and that's way too soon in my opinion yeah. Um, so I think just being diligent with doing your rehab is it, tough because you're, you're doing it, you know, three, four days a week um, at least. And then early on, you're doing it six to seven days a week because you're trying to get your range of motion back, get your quads strong. Um, but then when you get to the progressive strengthening phase, you're, you you got to be dil- diligent with it, doing three days a week. And then with, with insurances and kids being busy with school and, and everything else in their lives, that sometimes rehab takes kind of a backseat. And I try to, like, tell them that, you know, this is a priority unless you want to potentially suffer a setback, which I never really want for any of my athletes.
0: Right. And I want to dive into that more a little bit once we start talking about uh, what you're doing now and your approach to physical therapy and with the athletes that you have currently. But during your ACL recovery, is there anything that you did – that helped you mentally? Is there um, a book you read? Is there something you latched on to that helped you get through the process personally?
1: Um, I, I think for me, just the desire to go back to playing basketball was more than enough of a motivation. You know, I, I when I was in college, I played literally five days a week. And then in, in one, one, one day, essentially it was all taken away from me. And, and I think for me, it's not just a matter of being physical and playing sports, but also the kind of the um, social aspect of it, of being with some of your closest friends and playing sports with them. And I didn't get a chance to do that for almost a year because, because of the injury and then and surgery and everything like that. So I think for me, that was what I kept as my motivation was that, hey, I get to, I'm, this is my process of working towards playing basketball and being with my friends again. Um, that, that's kind of what I kept always with me.
0: But there had to be moments during that right like the desire was there but there had to be moments where um, it was really difficult knowing that at that moment you couldn't do that. Did you stay around your friends that were playing basketball. Did you ask about it. How did you deal with some of the common things that happen in a long injury recovery where you're feeling that depression you're feeling that idea of um, loneliness because you're not a part of that team or that community that you mentioned.
1: Um, I I think, I guess, fortunately or unfortunately, I I had friends who have suffered ACL tears in the past, so I I think I kind of went into it with a little bit better mindset than maybe some other people would have, so I knew that it was going to be a long process, um, and and thankfully with, like, my my group of friends around me, like, they all came to visit me when I was, when I couldn't walk, um, and and I I tried to get into the gym as soon as I could have, even if it was just to shoot some baskets without moving kind of thing, you Mm -hmm. know, and I think. I use these little little landmarks to kind of keep myself motivated, as opposed to focusing on what I couldn't do. So I try to stay positive the whole time, and and there's little landmarks like, oh, I can take off my brace in X amount of weeks. Oh, I can jog at 12 weeks, and then I can run at you know 16 weeks, kind of thing. So I kind of I, I kind of went incre- incrementally, as opposed to focusing on, oh no, it's going to be nine whole months until I can play basketball again, or, or whatever the duration is
0: right those um, small that's, that's wins
1: how I personally managed it. right yep yes definitely definitely focus on small wins
0: the small wins and i think what the idea that you said you focused on the landmarks of the things that you can do rather than what you can't do that's a really powerful thing. And I think people underestimate how much that affects your mentality and your outlook when you're constantly focusing on, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. It has the ability to get into your mind and really make you change your whole perspective, right? It, it, it makes you go deeper into that state of depression if you're always thinking what you can't do as opposed to oh today I can get up and I can crutch I can move my body from here to there and that's pretty awesome otherwise I would sit here all day or today I can get up and my brace can come off how cool is that like I've been wearing a brace for three weeks now and now I don't have to wear it
1: yeah definitely and and that's kind of why I try to set expectations early so they understand you know these are the general frameworks, and at the end of the day, I can't give them any definitive of um, when you're going to definitely be jogging, because you can't jog unless you have adequate quad strength. But mm-hmm. And and I think, I guess for me, in my current setting, I work with a lot of pretty high-level athletes, a lot of them are going to play college sports or are already playing college sports, so they they're they already come in motivated, um, which helps a lot. But the uh, on the occasion that I get a patient that's a little less motivated, you kind of have to you know, paint, paint the picture for them that it, this is going to take a little while, you have to keep working hard, hard at it and kind of give them little things to look forward to so that they know that there's a, there's a progression that they want to see.
0: Hmm. I think that's exactly what you have to do, right? With especially high level, really all athletes, like if we can't see that light at the end of the tunnel, if we can't see why what we're doing now matters to what we want to do in the future, then it's really difficult to um, stay focused in the here and now. Yeah, definitely. So you talk about this huge, you know, that's a big life transition going from an economics and working in the field of business, most likely, right, Um, to changing Mm -hmm. everything and going into the field of physical therapy. And um, it's a really good, you know, not that I ever want anyone to go through an injury because I don't. I don't think that anybody wants anyone to go through an injury, but I, I think the people that have been chosen to, that's part of their path that if you use it correctly, you can figure out a way to find other things that you might like or other paths in life that might be beneficial to you. And you did just that instead of, um, you know, going down the path that you thought you said, Oh, actually, like, I feel a real connection with physical therapy and I want to change my life path and, and help people in that way.
1: Yeah, definitely. I I think that you know initially I was um, I think just to backtrack a little bit when I tore my ACL I actually did not have any health insurance. Okay. Um, so I was I was pretty depressed at the time. You know I was I I, I think I, I googled the prices of how much it costs to 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 have an ACL surgery without insurance and it was like thirty thousand dollars and I was like there's no way I I didn't have a job yet so i was like, I can't pay for this I'm not going to tell my parents to pay for this so I was just kind of walking around with a torn ACL for a while.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then thankfully, um, I, I, I got a job, I think, five, four or five months after, and then um, that's when I, I elected to get surgery and everything. So it was it was a pretty long process for me, even more so than maybe other people who have insurance. Mm. But I think for me, in, in, in relation to, to my faith and what I believe in, um, I, I just think that everything legitimately happens for a reason. And had I not suffered that ACL tear... Who knows where I would be now? I don't know if I would be in this field or if I would still be in business or who knows where. But I, I think for me, I, I've, I've tried to look at look at the fact that everything happens for a reason, and that I'm I'm here and as a physical therapist for a reason.
0: Do you feel like now looking back to that that happened? You know, you have the faith in that moment that that happens for a reason. But now looking back, can you truly say like that was why that happened? Uh,
1: yeah, with, with, without a doubt. Um, I, I just know that. For me, um, again, with my faith, I just think that God's kind of put me in this situation. He's made me a physical therapist for for a reason, and I think suffering my uh, going through the ACL tear allows me to be more empathetic towards my my, my, my patients, and they and, and I think that they, they they get that, and that they can um, almost like I can I've I've been there. I can I put myself in their shoes, and then you know I tell them that like I I've, I've had firsthand experience with this. I know what it's like. If I can make it through, you can make it through too. And I think that. Patients kind of resonate with that really well, and that they understand that oh, he's been through it, so he maybe has maybe understands that he can that knows what he's talking about, kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and your process to get there was long too, because since you didn't have a um, medical based degree, you had to go back and probably do some prerequisites and then go through the whole physical therapy process. So um, it was an investment in knowing that you were on that path and that was kind of, you had faith that that was going to be the correct path for you and, and where you were supposed to be. Um, it kind of led you to where you are now. So talk about what you're doing with healthy baller and your idea to, um, you know, I can't imagine this is your first physical therapy job out of um, school. You probably had the ability to see what you liked and what you didn't like and instill and what your beliefs are in the ther- physical therapy process into what you're doing now
1: yeah definitely um so i um i when i finished school in 2015 i i worked for an orthopedic um, orthopedic owned facility a surgeon owned facility it was where my last clinical was um so it kind of made sense to just fall right into it i didn't really do much searching they i i kind of knew that's where that's why i thought i wanted to go so i was about um, six months, um, and just things didn't really work out. Didn't think it wasn't exactly what I wanted. Um, I didn't feel like I was getting as much mentorship as I needed. Um, and, uh, I ended up going to another orthopedist-owned facility, and I worked there for about a year, a little over a year and a half. Um, it was it was a good setting. It was it was a lot bigger, so I had a lot of coworkers that were all pretty much around my age, and we all like to help each other and stuff. But at the end of the day, those type of facilities only offer. Um, 30-minute treatments, and also the space is a little limited, and also the equipment is a little limited. I think the heaviest kettlebell we had was maybe 15 pounds. The heaviest dumbbell was maybe 10 pounds. Um, There's no open space, so I couldn't really get people cutting and sprinting and things like that that they need to do in sports. Um, So I think in the back of my mind, I always kept, like, a a big picture in my head. Um, And I thought it would be four or five years down the line that I would be in my current type of facility, but... Um, At Healthy Baller, where I'm at right now, we have a 40-yard indoor turf field. We have an extensive weight room. We have sleds. We have TRX. We have um, a whole bunch of of different pieces of equipment that allow me to to really challenge my athletes so that by the time they're finished with with our rehab, they are 100% ready to go and they don't need to hesitate or anything like that once they get back to the sports.
0: And that was so true to kind of maybe what you went through. In your rehab, maybe coming back a little too soon, like you mentioned, that that probably made mm-hmm. you think, how can I allow athletes to feel like they don't have to rush back and and get into a place where they could potentially be putting themselves in a dangerous place?
1: Yeah, I, I and I, and I tell them my my story also. You know, I, I went back um, too early. I I shouldn't have done this. Um, and and then I also, I, I think because of what I went through and then maybe the setback that I suffered, I I have dived into more research and, and I've i used a lot of, of research um, to to kind of drive my treatment so that I'm offering the best type of care so that to, to give my patients the best possible outcome because these these, these statistics nowadays about the, the about second ACL tears are way too high in my oh, opinion oh gosh um, some right articles i saw was up to 30 30 percent and i was like 30 percent is ridiculous um but if you, if you dive into the articles they talk about why these patients might have suffered second ACL tears and the list that you know includes going back too early they weren't strong enough they stopped therapy at you know three or four months when what i believe therapy, people should be in in rehab for up to seven eight nine months if possible um so there's there's a whole there's a whole long list of reasons about why these second ACL tears happen. And I always want to tell my patients, like, if you're willing to put in the effort, um, plus it's it's financially feasible and everything like that, that um, I want to get you in the best possible condition so that once you hit that nine-month mark, which seems to be what research is saying is the best timeline to go back to sports, um, that you'll be confident and and fully ready to go.
0: Right. That's – I like that you – Combine the two things. Right. It's it's a combination of the research that's been done, but it's also a combination of what you physically have been through and what you've seen others go through. So you can relate not only as a treating physician and a treating uh, physical therapist, but as a a patient and saying, "Okay, I wish I would have had. Um, three more months of additional physical therapy that really prepared me to get to where I needed to be as a basketball player to go back and play to the best of my ability.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and I, I think another big issue, which I could probably go on for for hours about, is the fact that a lot of times people stop therapy also because their insurance cuts them off because right. they only allow X amount of visits for for. Physical therapy, and I I, I've seen as as some as crazy as twenty total visits, Mm -hmm. and doesn't it break your heart? (laughs) It
0: hurts my heart to see that it's just setting kids up for (laughs) failure. To if you ask me, like they're not helping these truly get these athletes back to being fully better, and and it's adding to that statistic that you just mentioned. So in the end, there are just the insurance companies end up paying more money because the athletes are at a higher risk of getting re-injured.
1: Yeah, yeah. and it's uh, and I think that's where my type of facility that we're at right now is unique in the sense that, um, because we are an out-of-network uh, physical therapy clinic, we don't take insurances, um, you are paying a premium, it's, it's more expensive than what you're paying, but um, I, I believe our product is, is better than what most places can offer because of our, our equipment, because of our facility, um, because of the research I've done, everything combined kind of gives my athletes a better outcome than maybe what they've experienced at other places that only offer, you know, 30-minute treatments with no space. And it's not necessarily the clinicians always, but the space is, is I think, is, is a big deal as well.
0: Mm-hmm. So talk about how you came up with, um, you talk about your return to sport is a little bit different, and you, since you are uh, you're out of network physical therapy, and you're cash-based a lot of the time, or um, you know you're not taking insurance. That you have the ability to hold um, your athletes to maybe a different standard that you've created as far as return to sport goes.
1: Uh, yeah, I definitely have a pretty high standard. I would say um, just because you know, again, going back to the statistics, I don't want my I don't want my athletes to be a part of that statistic. I want them to be on right. the, the good side, essentially. Um, so I think for me, I, I, there's, there's plenty of protocols out there about return to sport testing. I always make sure they complete all the tests with good quality and not just complete the test based on the, um, the, the, the numerical number. Because a lot of times they'll say you need to be 90% of your opposite foot or opposite leg in order for you to be, con- be deemed as, as safe to return. And a lot of athletes are able to pass that, but at the end of the day, if, if the quality of your jumping is, is poor, that I would not consider that a true passing passing grade. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'm a little more stringent, I would say, on the, on a protocol than maybe some other people would be. Um, but again, I, I, I'm focusing on some never coming back to see me again. <laughs> Right. As opposed to oh shoot, we suffered a second injury, kind of thing.
0: Right. So when you're talking about that uh, good quality and the the jumping exercises in particular, you're basing it off of um, not one leg compared to the other leg. You're basing it off of what good mechanics of jumping and landing should be, and if if it's necessary to address that and continue physical therapy to address now that other issue, you're you can bring it to the patients, bring it to the families and say, you know, I think we need to address this before we return you to sport.
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely both. It's, it's not, I, I would say I look at the, the quality and the quantity together, um, as opposed to a lot of times if you just read the article, it would just talk about the quantity, like the numerical number of it. Um, so I try to focus on the, on, on the whole package as opposed to, you know, just how far are you jumping on one leg kind of thing, which mm-hmm. is one of the tests. For for return to sports,
0: yeah. What are the other tests that you have your athletes go through?
1: Um, The primary test, one of them is called a adequate drop test. It's where you kind of step off of a box, and then you you watch them kind of drop into a squat, Um, and then you can you you look to see if they shift to one side. That kind of mimics whether or not there's a poor loading pattern. So if they shift away, typically it'll be away from the surgery side it kind of indicates that the body is not willing to load that side evenly. Um, That's one of the tests. Another test is a, it's called a triple hop test where you hop forward on one leg. So that's where you compare the two sides between the the surgery leg and a non-surgery leg. And um, if they're within 90%, that's considered a passing score. But again, that's where I focus on the quality of the jump and the landings, not just the quantity. And then there's Mm -hmm. another one that's a crossover test. So instead of jumping straight forward, you kind of, hop a little bit to the right, and then hop a little bit to the left, and then back to the right again, and then vice versa. Um, So, yeah, those are all based on not just, for me, uh, not just quantity, but also the quality as well.
0: When you're when you have a new athlete come in and they come they can probably come to you in all different phases right you probably get some athletes straight from surgery you might get some other athletes who have gone through all their physical therapy with a different company or a different physical therapist and then come to you for that that kind of gray area of training right where they are technically cleared Mm -hmm. but they're really not at the place where they one feel confident and comfortable going back to their sport but two they're not They're not actually ready to do that yet as far as their physical movements and fitness and all that goes. So how do you set expectations to uh, what your process is and what's the most common questions I would say that you get or common roadblocks that you have with athletes as far as your process versus other physical therapy?
1: Uh, I think the number one question is when can I go back to my sport?
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> right? That's,
1: you know, if that's you get that it at least out, once like, a week. Can I play basketball or soccer again? Yeah. Exactly. And I tell them, you know, I I tell them I base it on the research, and I say that at at what research says is nine months. And I think that for me, just given two years of treating ACLs now, I think that nine months is just about right. If if anything, i even on the more aggressive end.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, if I had a choice, I would say people should wait close it's like 10 11 12 months kind of deal but nine months for me personally is the bare minimum and i always tell them that you know you don't need me to clear you to go back to playing sports because most of the time the schools only care about a surgeon's note so if the surgeon clears right. you it's it's at the end of the day it's up to you i can i can point to you all the faults i can point to you all the all the tests and everything like that that i think you, you need to work on but i and i tell them honestly you don't have to listen to to what i say um, and some people choose not to. I, I've had a situation where, where I told them that they weren't ready, but the surgeon gave, gave them the green light to go back, and they went back to playing sports again. Um, but I have other ones who, who – like I have, a, I have a female soccer player right now. She, she's playing – she's a senior in high school. She's going to play um, in college next year. So she has – and she is one that's been awesome because she's focused on the bigger picture. She's like, I want to play – I think I asked her what her number one goal was. She's like, I wanna be ready for my college seat, my first college season. I was like, Okay, well if that's your goal, then we're gonna be a little more more diligent with this and being more like patient with this and she understands, so that's been awesome. And her parents have been awesome too. Um, but you also get some parents breathing on your neck about, you know, oh, can my kid go back in four or five months? And then I don't know and then they they kinda of roll their eyes at me. <laughs> and and I think when it comes to maybe it's just my personal experience with physical therapy or maybe just healthcare in general, but it's like a lot of, because of Google and whatnot, a lot of people like try to, it seems like people want to almost tell you how to do your job in a sense. And that's, that's a personal bias, I guess, because I'm a physical therapist and I'm sure I'll try to play doctor when it comes to my eyes or something that I shouldn't be playing doctor for. Um, but I, I think I try to always, I, I think that's another barrier. You asked another barrier is that um, parents sometimes will be like, when can my kid go back? Um, and they're putting added pressure on the child because the child's asking that question too, as opposed to, Hey, let's focus on rehab for eight nine months and then we'll work we'll we'll work towards you going back to playing sports again
0: right do you think that one of the keys of of what you're doing and communicating that to parents players um, coaches whoever it may be is is just that right the communication like how key is that in your process
1: uh, it's it's absolutely huge. Um, I, I and I tell them. Um, I, I just to backtrack. I, I didn't answer one of your questions about like a, a barrier or a like I guess a yeah barrier per- that happens for me um, and why my clearance my personal clearance for, for sports is a little bit more stringent. Um, I talked to you about those tests that we did mm-hmm. and I had a I had a, I had a patient bring a note one time that said she was cleared to return to sports and cutting and things like that. And on the note, it said that they performed all of those tests. And I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty good. Because the, it, to be honest, most, ther- some, most therapists, I would say, in outpatient don't know these tests because you have to kind of go. It's, it's a continuing education. You, know, okay. you have to go above and beyond in order to learn these kind of things. Right. They don't teach you. If anything, they might go over, kind of gloss over it in PT school. But you're not going to remember something they talk about for one day. Right. Um, but for me, this is, you know, sports is my big thing. So I wanted to make sure I was doing right for my patients. Um, and then I think I had her do some of the tests and I was like, this, this doesn't look right. Like, I don't, I would not give you a passing score. And I was honest with her and I, and I kind of explained to her what I was looking at so that maybe, so that she would kind of understand where I was, what I was seeing. And then she was like, yeah, I think you're right. Like this doesn't, this, my, my, my surgery one doesn't feel like my non-surgery one. Hmm. So in my head, like you shouldn't be going back to sports if you don't feel symmetrical or even close to being symmetrical. Right. Um, and, like uh, there's, and, oh, go ahead. Uh, no, go
0: ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say that there's, you know, there has to be a trust between you, if you're the athlete who's going through the injury, and your uh, doctor, your orthopedic surgeon, and you as an athlete and your physical therapist, but th- that trust can't sometimes trump your, um, those gut feelings that you have, like that girl just said, like it doesn't feel the same. So I think that happens sometimes and people are just like, okay, well, I have to trust these people because they know what they're doing. And yes, you do have to trust them. But I think if your gut is telling you something different, it's okay to ask. It's okay to, um, challenge them in a way that says like, I just don't feel right. And, and continue that conversation because at the end of the day, you're the one as the athlete who's injured, who is looking out for you and, and you're the only one sometimes.
1: Yeah, and I, not, not that I try to focus on the negatives per se, but I try to, when I'm working with them in rehab and, and our treatment sessions, I, I, I ask them, you know, how does that feel? Mm-hmm. Like, does that feel equal to your other side kind of thing? Just to kind of put things in perspective, letting them know that, hey, we still have a little bit more strength we to do, a little bit more improvement on proprioception and balance and things like that, um, a little more trust in, in that surgery kind of thing so that they... They recognize that there's still a little more work to do, as opposed to, oh, you are seven months out. Okay, you're good to go for, for playing sports again. Um, so I, that, that's how I offer communication to them, so that they understand that there's still some work to do. And then, you know, after seven, eight, nine months, there should be good days where you feel like, oh, wow, this feels equal to the other side and then they, that's when they started seeing that like light of the tunnel that we talked about earlier mm-hmm. and then that's when we really start focusing on the sport specific like aggressive cutting um and then you start doing the kind of sport testing and then if they pass then they're, they're they're good to go
0: right how you talk about proprioception can you explain that a little bit more so people who are listening um if they want to know more about that or if they have questions to ask their physical therapist they can they have a little bit more knowledge about what that is
1: Yeah, so proprioception essentially is just your your body's awareness about where it is. Um, Anytime you suffer an injury, um, and even more so uh, having a big surgery like an ACL uh, reconstruction, um, that that area of the brain is kind of blurred a little bit. Um, So you need to kind of improve the confidence that you have in those receptors in in the knee, um, around all, all the joints, all the ligaments. Um, those receptors need to kind of essentially, almost in a sense, rebuild um, and redevelop so that they have a full understanding of, oh, this is my surgery knee. This is what cutting should feel like. Um, and it, in, I guess in, in short, it's it's the confidence that you have in your knee um, and that it should be equal to the left. You know, you should never be hesitant to plant and cut off of that foot. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be hesitant to land on a single leg off of that foot. Um, you need to be able to trust the knee and, and Basically everything up the chain, you need to be or trust it without significant compensations. Like if, when you first start doing balance work or proprioception work, you have them stand on one on the, the non non affected leg, and that they have great balance. And you know, as soon as you come on the other one, you know their 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 body's twisting all over the place. Their hips are twisting all over the place. They can't keep their knee steady. Um, that that's what proprioception kind of is. Is that you know the non surgery side is, is all good, and then the surgery side is kind of blurred a little
0: bit and it takes a while for those receptors in your brain and your body to form that pathway again and be comfortable with that pathway is what you're kind of relating to there about being comfortable cutting and uh, balancing and not thinking about it so it's that's the part of the process too it's not all all physical as far as like gaining your fitness and gaining your strength it's also these you know physical in the sense of these nerves and these pathways in your brain have to reform and trust that your body can do it again
1: yeah it's uh, and that's kind of why that nine month mark is is kind of my my minimum because there's so much to consistent work on you know i feel like like calf strengthening is kind of neglected hip strengthening is often neglected people mm-hmm. A lot of times, just focus on quads and hamstrings. So there's there's tons and tons of things to be working on. And for the balance stuff, you can you can work on that the entire way through. And even if until seven eight months, they there's still things that they need to work on in regards to balance. Um, and that's that's part of the you know that, there's a reason why research is saying nine months, and why I kind of push towards that that nine month minimum um, for for my athletes.
0: Mm-hmm. What is so at Healthy Baller, you treat all different athletes from all different kinds of sports correct
1: mm-hmm. yeah and,
0: and what is your goal and what do you have like a future you know one of the things that i i think we're both talking about here is just that idea of the the acl process being a little bit longer when you're returning to sport that instead of having these unrealistic four five six month goals like um some athletes have done that um have put these goals in people's minds that it's, you know, a, a nine to 12 month process that that's kind of what we are expecting out of physical therapy about out of return to play. Is that something that you're hoping to um, change? Do you think that that is changeable, changing that to a nine month recovery as opposed to being cleared before then?
1: Um, Yeah, I think, I think I always want to be, have a realistic goal for my patients. You know, I, ideally they could get back in six months but you know the the body goes through a lot of trauma when it comes to Mm -hmm. uh, uh, a surgery you know not even talking just ACLs any surgery is, is pretty traumatic to the body and there's a lot of kind of rebuilding that 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 needs to occur um but I think that if I could I always try to educate on on every evaluation I try to educate on why I think this so that they understand where I'm coming from as opposed to me just Spitting out, you know, nine months and and not giving any any like foundational support behind it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and, and
1: if if my if, if parents if parents want to see research, I I will gladly give them the research article so that they can read it themselves.
0: Yeah, um, I like that, and I like that it's not only communication but it's education too. I think that's one of the. Um, the combo of those two during this process process can be really beneficial to the athlete and to why they should trust the process, right? Going back to what you're saying, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's all building this trust because it is very difficult as an athlete about, uh, as someone who has been taught to do so much on their own, um, and get better on their own that then they have to rely on other people to get better for, for parts of this process. And that you have to build that trust and Mm -hmm. through education, through communication and what you're doing, um, you can really have that effect, with people entrusting the process. So um, I love what you're doing, Wesley. And it's, you always get my mind thinking with um, how we approach rehab and how we approach just the people and not just your knee, right? It's not just somebody's knee that's injured or someone's shoulder that's injured. It's it's their whole body, and you definitely treat it as a whole body recovery. And um, I just totally appreciate that and what you're doing with Healthy Baller in Rockville. So, how can people get a hold of you and um, reach out to you if they're interested in learning more?
1: Uh, so. One of my biggest platforms I guess right now is uh, Instagram. Um, so you can find me at uh, Wesley Wang, W-E-S-L-E-Y, W-A-N-G dot D-P-T. Um, and then I'm actually in the middle of building my website right now, which I'm hopeful will be up in about two weeks or so. Nice. And, and that'll be DPT. Um So it's pretty much the same as my Instagram handle. And if anyone wants to shoot me an email, I could talk about ACLs and sports rehab forever. Um, they can feel free to email me at plusywang.ggt at com.
0: Great. Um, you're just so, I, I love when people are doing something that they super care about because it's, you know, the door of communication is, is open, right? Um, you and I both are, are the same in the sense that if we get an email, it's us, it's us replying to it and we're ready to help in any way that we can. So, um, I'm I'm sure he will hold, you know, hold true to that. And if you if you have questions for Wesley, reach out. He's he's a good guy. He's doing good things in the Rockville area. If you're in the Maryland area, um, make sure to go and check out his place, Healthy Baller. I'm sure people can come in and just check it out. Right? It's a pretty cool facility.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. I've I've enjoyed working here, and I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of where it's going to grow and where where we're going moving forward.
0: Right. Well, I thank you for your time, Wesley, and your patience. It's um, not been an easy process for us to get this podcast all up and going. So um, I I really do appreciate it, and your insight into how to help people back from injury is uh, really, really uh, welcomed, and I'm thankful for it.
1: Yeah, not a problem. I've enjoyed uh, doing this podcast. It's been a really, really good experience.
0: It's so interesting talking with people from different fields because their perspective can really help bring everything all together. I really liked when Wesley talked about proprioception and how that is a long process and it can take a while for you to trust yourself again. So it's not only a physical rehab, but it's a mental, it's emotional rehab. There are things happening in your brain that take a while to reconnect. I think his journey is so interesting and how it changed his life for him now to be changing other people's lives and helping other people and he's super passionate about it I'm sure you could tell in the way that he's talking and I just think that he started off with saying trust the process and that's so key to this whole journey that no matter where you're going you have to trust the process you have to trust your gut in moments too that asking questions and getting more informed and having better communication with your doctor, physical therapist, your coach, your parents, whoever is in this process with you, that that's always a good thing. It, it can't ever really hurt. So I just thank Wesley for his time. I hope you all enjoyed what he had to say and make sure to check out him and his info is linked in the show notes. I hope you guys all have a wonderful week and you go out there and you show your scars with pride.